0: Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith that is ultimately about inspiring hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this at MyGatewayFellowship.com. I don't know how many of you had the chance uh, this week to listen to the show Breakaway um, um, that was uh, played this morning. And I, I tell you, it was just such a powerful um, um Uh, story. Uh, The book um, that we interviewed, uh, the lady's name was Denise Jones, and the book was entitled Reclaiming Your Heart. And I will tell you the truth, that I was so impressed after hearing the interview, even though I interviewed her and read the book, that I ordered the book again. And so, But it was just such a powerful thing. If anyone has ever been in a situation where you have just had a closed heart, and maybe as she said in the book, maybe it was through a tragedy or maybe it was through Whatever, but you just know that feeling where your heart is not where it should be. And I just want to encourage you to get that book. It really will make a difference. You can just even go to our website at uh, wgts919.com and just click on Breakaway. And you'll see uh, Denise Jones and um, the book, once again, is Reclaiming Your Heart. And that kind of brings us to our message um, that we're going to spend these next few moments uh, talking about. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, once again, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share a few words with my friends and family here today. And so I just asked in a very special way that you will, as always, take self out of Terry and use me as an instrument. In your name I pray. Amen. She was very close to her mother. And let me tell you, for you can understand the closeness, how how you can imagine how close this would be. Eleven brothers and one girl. So they called her sister. Eleven brothers, one girl. And so her and her mother became more like best friends than mother and daughter. She finally moved away and where she lived in that particular time, in that particular age, in the heart of the South, it was very hard for people of color, so she made a decision to move to the West. And there she had her first child of six, born outside of at that time, the very segregated South. Her dream was to bring that child back and let her mother see it. Out of seven generations, this was the first born outside of the South. Her mother just longed to see that baby when the family finally saved up enough money to bring the baby back home, to let them see it, she got word one month before that her mother had passed away. And you can just imagine how heartbroken she was. Seven years after that, Her father, excuse me, her husband, who at that time she had been married almost 20 something years, 27 years, I believe, had passed away. Six years after that, the youngest of her six, that was a girl, she was tragically killed. six children now it's five let's go a little farther her daughter who she was a close extremely close with passed away 8 months after that her son passes away and this person spoke just last week and I had a chance to hear the message. And they invited her to speak at this big event because through the midst of all this craziness, she still had a peace. She still still, every single day, at four thirty in the morning, gets on her knees and prays almost to six o'clock, naming people to pray for. Some of the people and families are in this very room. How do I know this person? It's my mother. Zelma. And what was so interesting when I heard my mother speak, who is a speaker, mom's almost 85 years old. She still speaks almost almost at least 60 times a year. But mother said in this message, is that how she's been able to make it through all these tragedies is that she has and knows the peace of God. She says, if it wasn't for the peace of God that can make you, I would have gone crazy. Friends, that's why I'm here to say today You can have that same peace in your life. And you've heard me say this, Teresa, so many times. You know, either you're going through something, you're coming out of something, or you're about to go into something, but you're somewhere in that list there. But the only thing that you can be sure of is that you can have the peace of God that no matter what happens, you will get an inner peace in your gut that it's going to be okay. And that's what my mother lives, preaches, and says. It's interesting because our passage, or even our message, this is the first time I've ever did this. I, I've, uh, our sermon is off of a bumper sticker that I saw a few weeks ago. And many of you have seen this bumper sticker, but it's simply this, the title of our message. No Jesus, no peace, know. Or no Jesus, no peace. Same thing, but totally two different meanings. No Jesus and no peace. No Jesus and no peace. And it's confusing. I was saying this to someone the other day and they were so confused. What? Do you, but you have to have that relationship with God to understand this to really understand what that K-N-O-W means. Oh, friends, it will give you the peace beyond all understanding. In fact, our scripture for today, let me just read this story to you. It's taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Verse 15. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. It's interesting here because Jesus wanted to find out who did people say that he was. And as the scripture says that, no, some said he was a prophet, some said this. And then it got to the point with Jesus, what he was really wanting to know. That's important, but who do you say that I am? So the question that I ask for you here today. Do you know Jesus? Do you really know? And it's interesting to me that Peter was the only one that spoke up. And so it just lets us know in this passage that it's so easy to know about Jesus. But not to know Jesus. Oh, friends, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know him because you are going to go through something. But God has promised in his word that he will give you the peace that is beyond all understanding. You see, Christ wanted the disciples to know him. And this brings me to a second point here. If Jesus were to come today and he were to ask you. Do you know me? I love that. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Keep on saying that. (laughs) Do you know me? And what would you say? Would you simply say, oh, Jesus, I heard about you. I I heard all about you. I heard what you've done in the scriptures. I've heard this stuff. Would you say that to him? Or would you simply say, "Oh, oh, 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 Jesus, I heard that you can change situations. I heard that you can fix problems. I heard, Jesus, that you can take pain away. Would you say that? You see, if you answer that way, if Jesus were to answer you, you're simply saying that you only in old Jesus. You really don't know him. Because this is what the answer we need to work on to be. If Jesus were to ask us, who am I? We should be able to say, oh, Jesus, you are the one who never left me. Oh, Jesus, you were the one when I was addicted and everyone gave up on me. You believed in me. I know you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you were the one when I had no money. I was down to my last dollar. And somehow you made it okay. Are you to be the one that you could say, Jesus, I know you. Because when everyone else had given up on me, when my situation seemed hopeless, when things seemed impossible, you were the one that made the difference in my life. Friends, it's so important to know Jesus. Oh, and you will see you have nothing to fear because Jesus is going to be there. Because if if you get to the point where you're like Peter, you can say, yes, I'm not perfect. But you know what? One thing I do know, you are the son of God. You are the one that can make a difference in my life. And then Jesus can say to you, you answer Well, that was not revealed to you by a man, but by my father in heaven, because you truly know me. So the question is, how do we get to know Jesus better? That's what I want to spend these next few moments focusing on. If you don't leave here knowing how to know Jesus better, I have not done my job. The very first way to know Jesus better is what I like to call a heart transplant. And it's taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26. And notice what it says here, that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the stone and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus didn't say that you had to do anything. He didn't say you go and you climb that mountain and you get to the top of the mountain. And if you prove yourself worthy, then I will give you a new spirit and a new heart. Or you simply do this. You knock on enough doors and I see that you really have done that. Then I will give you a new spirit and a new heart. No, the scripture lets us know that God will give us a heart transplant. And maybe there's someone here today that life has hardened your heart. You have been through so much. And there's a good reason why your heart is hardened. People have let you down. Family has let you down. But the good news is that you don't have to stay there in that situation. That God says that He will give you that new heart. And I love this part of the text that sometimes is overlooked. It says that He will put a new spirit in you. A spirit of peace. Spirit of understanding. A spirit of knowing that even though you're going through something rough, even though you feel like giving up, I can give you that spirit where you can keep going forward. So the very first thing is, take God at his word here. Ask him to give you that new heart. Ask him to give you that new spirit that he talks about. For that way, you will know Jesus. And that leads us into our second way of getting to know Jesus. Is that you have to spend time with him. There's no other way around it. In fact, I remember, John, we used to do the little stit, uh, 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 the restaurant where the person would be waiting and waiting and waiting. And at the end of the stit, you remember, John, and it would be Jesus. The restaurant would close, everything would shut down, and the man would still be there sitting down. And he would simply say, I'm waiting for someone. And then, like we said, at the end, it was, it was Jesus who was, was simply there waiting. Friends, I want to challenge you to do something. And if you have to write this down, this is fine. But it's about knowing Jesus better. And I want to challenge you to do something I call 777. And that's not a lottery number. So no one go out and try to buy a lottery <laughs> ticket and say, Pastor Terry sent you but 777 is a simple way that I have discovered that has helped me especially when I find myself getting off track because let's just be honest we are busy our society is out of control we're so busy we're doing stuff and people are pulling and asking and you can find yourself like me where I have gone a period of time where I have forgotten that I have not prayed and I have to say what am I doing and then I realized that I'm slipping into that N.O. Jesus instead of that K N O W Jesus. And so seven, seven, seven is something that I want you to challenge. And once again, when you find yourself off track, it will really work. And that is in the morning. Spend seven minutes praying to God. Don't worry about no. I'm gonna do a half hour. I'm gonna do an hour. Just say to just to get yourself back jump started. Just say seven minutes in the morning. And Ben reminds me on the radio. You know, I used to think that no, seven minutes is so short, and all that time on radio, you're on for one minute, and it's almost an hour. You you can't think of enough stuff to say. So trust me, seven minutes is going to be good. Then what I want you to do at lunchtime, before you eat. Find a place where you work or whatever you're doing at lunchtime. That becomes your place where you and God go. It can be a part of the office that people don't go to. It can be the back of the cafeteria. It doesn't make a difference. But you find a place where you can spend seven minutes during your lunchtime of simply talking to Jesus. And then that evening... Before you go to bed, find seven minutes where you can just simply talk to Jesus. And do this for seven days. If you forget a day, start over seven days. And I promise you, if you do 777 for seven days, you are going to feel a difference in your spiritual walk. You are on the path. Of K-N-O-W-I-N-G, Jesus. And the next thing I want to challenge you is it's one thing of just talking to Jesus. And have you ever had a friend that just talks and talks and talks to you? And you try to get a word in and then you may say something and you know they're not even really listening to you because they go right back to their point. Or maybe you have a friend that you're talking and the whole time as you're talking, they're thinking of something to say that you suck it in your sentence where they can start another conversation up. Anyone have a friend like that? I know I do. Pete, (laughs) Pete's pointing at me. (laughs) You stop that. (laughs) But friends, part of this relationship thing of knowing Jesus is also spending time listening to him. Jackie and I were in a program um, together a few years ago, and part of the program was that every morning they wanted you to stop and just listen to God. Don't talk, don't whip up, just listen to God. And I remember, Jackie, that was the hardest thing in the world. What was the time? How much time did we have to do? 15 minutes at 5 o'clock in the morning. That we had to get up and we had to just simply (laughs) be there and just listen. But friends, I'm telling you, it made such a difference. So I'm going to challenge you to do this. Your first week of really trying to get back of knowing Jesus. Spend 10 minutes that first week of just simply sitting down. Turn off your phone. No music. Just by yourself. Because God loves it when we talk to him, but he loves that. But then we don't want to be the ones that we're talking as he's trying to talk to us constantly. Because if you're going to have that relationship with God, you have to have it go both ways. You have to have him. Talking to you. You listening to him. It has to be a two-way relationship. Once again, we're talking about how to know Jesus. And then the final thing is simply this. Read your Bible. When I first became a Christian, a real believing Christian, a wise old man told me, just read a paragraph, just one of those stories in the New Testament. Just read one of those little stories every day. That's all you got to do. And then he said this It's not enough just reading it, Terry, but then you got to apply it. There are so many people who read their Bibles, read their Bibles, read their Bibles, but they're not applying what they're reading. So you got to go that second step and apply what you read. And it's not about trying to read the Bible through in a year, and so you're just, just simply just take a passage, take a story. Read that story and just simply say, Lord, what can I learn from that story and apply it to my life? That's simple. Once again, you're making the Bible come alive. You're applying what you're hearing. So once again, ask God for a new heart. Spend time for him, with him. Seven, seven, seven. Listen to him. Start off just 10 minutes every day when it's quiet. No one's around. And I don't care if that listening to God is in the morning and the night or whenever. Just spend that time. Listening, meditating. You'll see it will make a difference. And finally, as we conclude, one of the most popular. People who was actually a a writer who actually didn't write anything. His name was Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence lived many, many years ago. But let me tell you what was special about Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a soldier like me, a military guy. He had killed many, many people. God spoke to him and God challenged Brother Lawrence To become a minister. And so Brother Lawrence put away all of his war stuff. And he went to the place in those days, a monastery, and just simply said, I'm here to serve. God told me that he was going to use me. And so you can imagine Brother Lawrence thought that, you know, they were going to at first, they're going to use him to preach and all this stuff. Instead, they said this to him. The only job that we have, Brother Lawrence, is washing dishes in the kitchen. What would we do if we heard God saying that he wanted us to be a powerful minister for him? And Marcus, we get there. And they say, "All right, you can be a minister, but it's going to be in the kitchen with dishes." Many of us, and I'll be honest, I would say, "You know what? <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else." I know what the Lord told me to do. But brother Lawrence went there. And for the rest of his life, he cleaned pots washed dishes, cooked for the other priest for the rest of his life. That's all he did. But let me tell you what happened. While Brother Lawrence was in that kitchen by himself, he used that time to talk with God. He would be cleaning pots and just talking to the Lord. And at first people thought this guy was crazy. He's in there just cleaning and talking to himself. And when people really started listening to what he was saying, this guy was so in touch with God that people would travel almost a thousand miles, just come and to sit in the kitchen to hear him have these conversations with God. And there were times where Brother Lawrence would be cleaning the pot. There'll be 30 people behind him. And as he's having this conversation, he didn't pay attention to anyone there. But as he's talking, people behind him are fainting because they can't believe what he's talking to God about is their situation. He would never pay attention to him. He would just do his job and continually to talk to God. And finally, when he passed away one guy felt inclined to sit there and to write, find everything that this guy was saying and write it. And it became one of the most popular books that is still in circulation today. It's called Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. If there's one book outside of the Bible that you need to add to your library, you need to hear this guy's conversations with God. Even to this day, as people read different stories, it applies to their life. Now, no one knows any of those other ministers who were in that monastery. No one ever knows about them. But the one person they remember 300 years later is Brother Lawrence washing those pots and dishes and being true to his calling. And so that's what I want to leave you here with today. May you be like my mother, that when you go through hard times, when you see the world just seem like it's folding up on you and you don't understand, friends, take time now to KNO, Jesus, because you'll understand that Jesus will be there. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.